Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And this week marks the 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, the Category 5 hurricane that hit the Gulf Coast, killing uh, hundreds and forcing thousands to be evacuated from their homes. New Orleans was particularly devastated as the city's levee system failed and flooding persisted for many weeks. A decade later, many of the people and families affected by Katrina have relocated across the country, including into Indiana. The American Red Cross of Greater Indianapolis reported a year after Katrina that overall hurricane relief efforts had helped 3,000 individuals evacuate. So today on Noon Edition, we're going to discuss the, uh, the whole hurricane, and we've got some guests here who have been relocated, and we have a representative from the uh, American Red Cross. So let me introduce them. Abby Git- Gitlitz is here. She is a glassblower who grew up in Bloomington but lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. Chastity Johnson is joining us. She is, uh, has been relocated to Indianapolis with her boyfriend and child, during the hurricane and during the aftermath of the hurricane. And Anne A. Gregson, a communication lead for the American Red Cross Indi- Indiana region, is also here with us today. So you can join the conversation by calling us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. And you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So welcome. Thanks for being here, you guys. Hi, Bob. Hey, Thank you. Thanks for having glad us. Glad to have you here. It's amazing. It's been 10 years. Um, although in some ways, I mean, there's the rebuilding is still continuing. The, the problems associated with Hurricane Katrina are certainly not over yet. But Abby, I want to start with you. So uh, tell us what you were doing 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I was, uh, I was living in New Orleans, but I wasn't actually there. I was at a glassblowing camp in Maine on a little island, um, a camp called Haystack. And it was a very remote place, the sort of place where um, it's very rustic and there's no television and no, no internet and no, TV, you know, no radio. So I was completely uninformed in every way that there was a hurricane barreling down on New Orleans. Um, it came as a, a complete shock to me mm-hmm. to discover. I, there was a computer at the camp. Um, and it, it was very slow. I think it was dial-up. Um, and it would load one page a minute. And so I would oh, go wow. in once every few days to check my email. And I got an email from a friend saying, hey, did you hear about Katrina? And I had a good friend named Katrina. So I said, no, what happened? And he said, oh, she, she, uh, she, she messed with you royally. And I thought, what is he talking about? And then I looked and I saw that this hurricane was coming. And then I just declared eminent domain and took the computer for the rest of the day and just sat and watched with one page loading every minute, waiting to hear, was it going to hit? Was it not going to hit? And then it was clear it had hit. And then it was, and then nothing was clear from that point on. Mm-hmm. But I was still in the woods in Maine, and there was nothing I could do about it. Who did you have in New Orleans that you were concerned about? I I didn't have family down there, so I was on my own, uh-huh. um, which was nice uh-huh. in some ways. And I'm fairly young, and so my cohort was fairly young. Um, I did have a couple friends I was worried about. Uh-huh. Um, I have a friend who's 
almost blind, and there was some concern about how he would get out. Um, I have a good friend who's an emergency room nurse, and so she was not going to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of those who stayed at Tulane Hospital, I believe, um, and and so worried about her. But I, I genuinely had no concept of what was happening. I, I hadn't I hadn't seen any television. So while the rest of the world was getting inundated with these constant news messages, I just didn't know. And it wasn't until the camp was over, it was clear that the levees had broken. It was clear that it was not going to be good. But it, it wasn't until I got back to civilization that I was able to watch any news feed and, and understand what had happened. So I didn't, I didn't have any lead up. For me, it was just it was like a blow upside the head when I actually got in front of the TV. Yeah. So, you, so you couldn't go back to New Orleans. What did you do? So I, I had lived in Boston previously, so I had good friends in Boston. So I stayed with family there for a few days. Then I stayed with some friends for a few days. Um, and then I started to navigate the world of being a refugee. Um, and that was interesting to me um, because it, it wasn't just trying to find a place to stay, but it was also trying to work with people who wanted to help. I mean, that was the thing. I was part of a national tragedy. I wasn't part of my house burnt down, which would be awful, but most people genuinely don't care. Um, Hurricane Katrina, everybody in the country knew about it. So I could go anywhere and say Hurricane Katrina. So, for example, I went to my, my old public library with my old librarian there, and she said, just take books. If you want books to read, just take books. We know you don't have a library card because you don't live here, but just take books. And a woman who was sitting at the computer doing her own email, overheard the conversation, said, do you have a place to stay? Because my son just left for college last weekend and we have an empty room. Do you need a place to stay? Woman I never met before in the public library. Just there was this outpouring of support, people wanting to make personal connections. I mean, people were giving to the Red Cross, people were giving to other places, but, but people genuinely wanted to make a personal connection with someone who had been personally impacted by the storm. We'll talk more about your story in a minute, but I want to go to Ann Gregson because uh, Abby mentioned the Red Cross, and so uh, Ann is with the Red Cross, and what was, you know, what were you doing 10 years ago, and what happened on that day? Right. Um, Working for the Red Cross, you do have a heightened awareness of uh, hurricanes coming, whether you experience them in Indiana or not, which we don't, but just knowing that if if a big one hits, you're going to have people who want to help, who are going to want to... well, we're going to send volunteers. We're going to um, uh, collect donations. And I know we were all relieved when there was not a direct hit uh, to New Orleans because that was a big concern. It had hit Florida. It had hit around there. And just being, okay, okay. And then um, you started seeing the images on TV, and you knew the levees had broken. And um, we got a phone call from a local airline that said, we're going down, and we're going to pick some people up and we're gonna bring him to you. And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know Chastity will be able to uh, talk a little bit more about this. Buses went down and said, we're gonna take you to Massachusetts or Utah or Indiana, wherever it is. And within a few days, um, we had uh, people in our, in our community, we had opened up a shelter and we had people at our Red Cross headquarters in Indianapolis that needed our help. People who knew nothing about Indiana, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, normally what we would do is sit down with the folks and after a disaster that, say, hit Indiana and um, food, clothing, you know, you're going to uh, help them with a new place to live. They knew the area. 
We had a lot of these folks had no idea anything about Indiana. And so just to echo what um, Abby said, the outpouring of support, not they did want a personal connection. Mm-hmm. We, we tracked people who wanted people to move in with them. You know, I exactly like I've got a uh, my kids have moved out. I've got an empty room. I've got this. I've got that. It was just a, you know, not to sound Pollyanna, but it was a coming together of people going, this is horrific. Mm-hmm. How can what can I do to help? I have got to do something. And so the people who donated, people who volunteered, people who volunteered to go down to Katrina, not only did we send people <laughs> down south, you know, obviously we had an operation up here. So it was. Uh, extraordinary. Nothing like this had ever happened before and hasn't happened since. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we hope it doesn't. Exactly. Again, right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Chastity Johnson, thank you for joining us. I know you had some traffic problems out there in Bloomington. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad you're here. <laughs> so, Chastity, you were, you were one of those people who came to Indiana. So, take us back 10 years to, you know, to Katrina and, you know, what were, what were you doing there and how did you sort of weather that storm? Um, well, it was my last year, last year in high school and I was 19. Um, um, I had an apartment and I worked at McDonald's, maybe making five fifteen an hour. Um, it was a normal day, a normal week. Um, being from New Orleans my whole life, we never really had a, a bad storm that I could remember. Um, and when a hurricane comes, we, we weather it out. We, we ride it out. Um, Maybe a week before, I can't even tell you the name, a a hurricane was coming and we tried to go to evacuate and come to find out it drizzled. So when Katrina came, we was thinking this is, you know, we usually it happens all the time is go up to a category three then drop down to a one or turn around or it just um or evaporates or whatever the terminology (laughs) it is, it just stops. So when Katrina was coming, we we lived in poverty, you know. I didn't I didn't have any money. Um, we was living check to check, uh, me and my husband. Well, we was not married at the time, and I had a um, eight month old child. Uh, me, of course, with rent due and so much stuff going on, we didn't have the money to leave. And I, you know, just wanted to get that out there because um, a lot of people say, "Well, why you didn't leave? You know, it was coming." We didn't just we didn't have the money. We didn't have the resources. Um, so normal day. Uh, maybe later on that day, uh, but I didn't know how serious it was until, um, you know, the police and the firemen, they was knocking on each door like, you guys have to go. We cannot allow you to stay so what here. What part of New Orleans were you living in? Um, actually, I was living in New Orleans. It's called Algiers. It's, um, it's right by the water. Right. right. Um, so we went to, um, so we left. I called my sister. Um my son went with my husband. You know, in the kind of tell you our minds is, we we split up. We spent a night by our friend's house. We we no school, no work, and we come back together the next day. So, um, baby and my and, and my husband was with their grandmother, with his mother, and I was with my friend. So we was actually trying to plan on how to get things right for school. So it was just a normal day, and. Um, by time we knew we had to leave, I was trying to get in touch with them. The, the cell phone tire, mm-hmm. towers was not really working that much. Like so many phone calls was happening at the same time. Um, the traffic, no gas, no food. Um, every aisle in Walmart was empty. 
So this when it was starting to sink in, like, oh, my gosh, this is serious. Um, we went to the shelter. I got to my sister, went to the shelter, and we were just sitting there. I remember, remember like it was yesterday, we were just having normal conversations. We were just sitting there, and, okay, we're going to go to bed. So kind of to move things forward, maybe um, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, we woke up to water. So, and which uh, shelter were you in? I'm sorry. It was. It's called Worley Junior High. It was just a. It was a mm-hmm. high school. Sure. It was open up shelters at the last minute. And to kind of rewind, we went to the Superdome, but the line was just so long to get in it. Um, we left, and, and thank God we left. Um, mm-hmm. So we went to this. It was a shelter that opened up the last minute. They had no food, no water, and we woke up, and they were just pretty much saying that you know, they didn't. I can't tell you the exact words they said because it was all like a, a blur. Um, but pretty much I was just saying, like, you know, every man for himself. You know, there was no—we we came there. We were sleeping on the floor. We had nothing. We just had a, a blanket and um, certain things. And I remember um, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. thinking, I said, I'm going to wake up. Mm-hmm. And when I wake up, this is going to be over. Mm-hmm. My son, he— um, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feed him because we had a routine. And he's going to cry. And when he cry, I am going to wake up and this dream is going to be over. Mm-hmm. And, but it didn't happen like that. When we went outside, I cannot, I, I can't put into words how I look. It, and, and the best way I describe it is like a, a snow globe where you, you take it, you move it upside down, and you shake it up and you put it back in all the particles and pieces is what was there and it was just it was just indescribable Mm -hmm. just indescribable and um just just then when we was trying to drive the the police was um they were not police they was real mean to us Mm -hmm. they was very mean to us Mm -hmm. Um, a lot written and a lot of stories about that since then. So. Yes, mm-hmm. there was the the police was like us. They was just they was not wearing a badge, and so they was just screaming at us, "Get off the road!" And um, just using you know profanity. You you guys have to get off this road. And I mean, they had power lines still going. It, it was just it was just indescribable. It was just um, water everywhere. I just couldn't. Yeah. I just could I, I can't I'm sorry I just can't give you the words of how it was so um we was just trying to find shelter so where my friend lived it was kind of like a higher ground mm-hmm. water was still in there but we was able to go to um to our house in a higher ground and we slept there and I, I didn't sleep it was hot mm-hmm. it was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face mm-hmm. um there was no light there was no nothing and I remember laying there and I was thinking like, we have to get out of here, yeah. and I can't. It's it more like a um, like a survival instant. Like like my skills sharpen. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. 19. I I have no high school education at the time. Mm-hmm. I have nothing, but my senses and my my senses sharpen. Like you know, I just I can't explain it. I I believe it was God just giving me um, just insight like how to get out of here, how to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and we needed gas. We didn't have any gas. We didn't have any money. Um, nothing worked. 
uh, no, we didn't have no phone. We didn't have nothing. And I remember uh, maybe when I was six or seven, I was watching my dad um, helping someone on the side of the road when they ran out of gas. So I went to get a hose pipe and I cut it. And we went to different cars getting gas out the mm-hmm. car. Um, we It took us maybe about two or three days to get out the city. Just trying to drive everywhere we knew how to go, where to go. And New Orleans is just, it's New Orleans, and there's a there's West Bank, and there's the East Bank, and there's the levees. And we only knew two ways to get out. And the one way we knew how to get out, we couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. Um, we was trying to go to the, um, when we went down the bridge, it was water there, it was people on the bridge. Um, and meanwhile, you, were, you didn't know where your son was. Well, okay. This is still Let's really it. painful. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know where they was at. I didn't know if they survived. Um, I didn't know anything. So they kind of moved things because it, it, I can't just I can't tell everything. It's just, sure, just yeah. a lot. But yeah. when we found safe ground, it was like Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is like forty five minutes an hour outside of New Orleans, and for the next few months. It was just, it was a waiting game, and it was the hardest, out of the past 10 years, it was the hardest two, three months of my life, not knowing where they was at, not knowing if um, they survived or not, not knowing anything, and I, I, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, it's not a purpose to live, so, um, if, the, if I can't find them, um, so maybe two or three months went on. I went to school, but I wasn't. I was trying to keep in school to to, to stay occupied. Um, there still was no. All the numbers I knew did not work. Everybody I knew did not work. Cell phones did not work. There was nothing worked. I didn't know. I didn't know nothing. So I was. I, I was just sitting there. I, I, I was losing weight. It was just. Mm-hmm. I kind of went. I went to a deep, deep stage of depression and. Um, I, you know, just I just went through depression, and at the time, um, Red Cross was giving out um, money, uh, three hundred dollars per person. So I got my three hundred dollars, and I tried to go get the three hundred dollars for my child. Just and say I'm gonna just get this money, try to get the best, get out of here the best way I could. <clears throat> and when I went to Red Cross, they told me it was like, well, we can't get the three hundred dollars when I already got it for the child. And I mean. I ran out of there. I, I forgot the money. <laughs> I ran and I screamed. I'm like, okay, you know, where, where are they? Where is the, you know, I, I didn't even want the check. I said, you can keep this. <laughs> I, it was the best moment of my life. Um, you know, next to my wedding day. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I was just so ecstatic, and um, and I, I think I just. I ran, I, I went to the corner, and I just slid against the wall, and I cried maybe about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I got myself together, and Red Cross was like, um, we could take you there. We know where, we could, we know how to get you. You know, we know where they at. We could take you there. And when they 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 brought me, they brought me there, and I, I, I ran to my child, and I picked him up, and um, it was very emotional because he gave me this look. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember you. <laughs> and when he gave me this look, I cried. And, and to see him, you know, to see him, I was, you know, I was nursing at the time. Um, so I was highly upset he had a bottle in his hand. <laughs> 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 um, so to see him, 
just just to see him at that moment, it was just it was the best moment. I I can't describe it or to put it into words, but you know, and I cried. I, I missed a lot of time because he was walking. Mm-hmm. He he almost was running like a fast walk. So to miss about three months, um, out of his time, um, it was it was very it was very um. It's, yeah. It was. It hurt. Well, th- mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for sharing all that because wow. I think that that is a story that a lot of people don't really understand the separation that occurred between families. And- How far apart were you actually? Did it turn out? Um, maybe it was like two hours apart. Oh my gosh! Yes. So they had gotten on a bus or something and gone somewhere. Actually, they was um, they were trying to evacuate, um, and they they was actually it was in a car when the storm came. Oh they my. couldn't make it. They oh they didn't my. make it out. Um, so, you know, he tell the story where the, there was in a car and that happens. And so, um, the next morning they was at, actually at a gas station, just rotting the storm out. And the next morning someone told them about the shelter that was nearby. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Well, if you want to join us on the program, that, that, uh, by the way, is Chastity Johnson. She relocated to Indianapolis. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute. Um, and, uh, she had been living in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. She's with us today, as well as Abby Gitlitz, who is a glassblower who blew up or grew up here in Bloomington. And she lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. And also Ann Gregson is here. She's communication lead for the American Red Cross Indiana region. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more uh, before we take a break. Uh, But if you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. And you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Before I go back to to Chastity, I want to ask Abby, I know you spent a lot of time trying to, or before you could go back to New Orleans, what did you find when you got back there? So I lived in Mid-City, um, and we had about four and a half feet of water where I was. And when I got back, I discovered that my landlady was back. I lived in a shotgun double, so that's when you have, a shotgun is a house that's long and thin, and they call it a shotgun because you can shoot through the front door and go out the back door without hitting anything. Mm-hmm. So I lived in a shotgun double. And my landlady, who was lived on the other half of the shotgun double, was back. And she had been a hoarder, um, which, if you want to see something really awful, think of someone who has their house already stacked to the eaves with newspapers and then put a lot of water in it. So she had moved into my side, and so she had already done some of the work of clearing stuff out. Um, She'd taken out the rugs, she'd she'd already taken out the upholstered furniture, but of course no one was picking up trash, so taking it out just means taking it out and putting it on the side of the the road. There's no one's doing anything with it. Um, it It was interesting to see what was left. My roof blew off, so most of my damage or a lot of my damage came from above. So I had globe lights, and they were all still full of about four inches of water. Mm -hmm. It took me two months to get back to New Orleans after Katrina. Um, So in that time, um, some things had dried out. I had lived in a not very nice house, um, which turned out to be a good thing, because where other people had drywall, I just had plaster. And where other people had a subfloor, I could see through my floor to the ground. But what that meant was when the waters were receding, my walls dried out, because there was nothing to hold the water in. And my, my floor was like a sieve, so the water just drained through. So in that regards, my house wasn't too badly hit. Um, Does it still stand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, my house was built in, the one I lived in was built in something like 1908. That, it was not the first time it had been flooded. Um, mm-hmm. I think all those old houses, they, they're, <laughs> they're built to, to shed water. Yeah. It's the new ones that were, that were really bad. Yeah. So, you know, you have all these split-level ranch houses built in the 50s um, with new materials and insulation and, mm. you know, things that suck up water. And the right. old houses were, were bad houses. But, <laughs> you know, in terms of, of being inundated with water, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a crew, I had a couple friends fly down because the airport was open at that point. So I had a couple friends fly down um, to meet me. And we went through, and we were staying with a friend who lived in the Garden District, which is the old part of town, the rich part of town, mm-hmm. and it's all above sea level. So they didn't, they didn't have any flooding. So I stayed at a friend's house. Um, and uh, yeah, we went in and, you know, there was black mold everywhere there had been water. So everything that... Um, had touched it. I told my friends to throw out. So we went through room by room, just throwing everything out. And uh, my friends couldn't understand why I could throw things out. They kept coming up to me and they'd say, don't you want to keep this? And I'd say, no, it smells like mold. Throw it out. And they'd say, but I gave it to you. <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. But it smells like mold and we're throwing things out. Because I mean, what, what happened to me, so I didn't I didn't evacuate. I wasn't there. I was I was in Maine when it happened. So I didn't evacuate. So I didn't like I I didn't know whether my house had gotten water or not. That was the thing. The the maps were really imprecise showing you what had gotten water. And as I realized when I drove back through the city, what looks like level ground isn't. So when you when you went back to the city, everything had a water line on it. Mm. Like every house had this black, scungy mm-hmm. water line. And then there was another one like eight inches down and a few more. And the water line was perfectly level. But on different houses, so you'd have one house, it'd be four feet up, one house, it'd be three feet up. And you thought those two houses were on the same level. Um, but you could see that mm-hmm. that it wasn't. Um, and I have no idea where I was going with this. Sorry, I've yeah. totally lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. You think about it. We're okay. going to have to take a short break. Um, we're talking about the uh, 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, and uh, you're welcome to join us on the program at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348, or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about the 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. We have uh, three guests with us. Chastity Johnson is here. She has relocated to Indianapolis with her boyfriend and child after Hurricane Katrina, now her husband. And we have Abby Gitlitz, who, a, um, an artist, a glassblower here from Bloomington, who uh, grew up here but lived in New Orleans during the hurricane, and also Ann Gregson, communication lead for the American Red Cross Indiana region. If you want to join us, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And, you know, it seems like um, there were so many people that there is no typical story about this. I mean, everybody went different directions. And, you know, one of our guests was not even in town. The other guest suffered through the worst. Tell us, how did the, that seems like it had to be just a ginormous logistical challenge uh, for the Red Cross. Ginormous is a great word. <laughs> and in, in disaster relief, you talk in terms of scaling up and scaling down. And when we knew people were coming, I mean, you didn't know how many. And so all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be the not-for-profit world. And then particularly, I think, the disaster world, you wear a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. And once people knew that people were coming, again, it was just inundated with people. I want to volunteer. I want to help. I want to, I want to. Uh, we had massive training classes. We had just, um, a Red Cross at that time had call centers all across the country, and we had just had training in the spring and had a lot of volunteers doing that. And I, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was thousands of calls we took. And in fact, one that everybody remembers was someone reached Red Cross. They were in their attic, and the water was rising and needed help to get out. So it's for me personally, I'm going to take off my Red Cross hat for a minute. It's just being able to sit next to Chastity and and hear her story and Abby and see how they've come out on the other end and are thriving. And um, it's just so rewarding because I think a lot of times in what we do is you are in the moment and you're helping. It's not about you. It's about uh, the people who are here and, and just helping them what they had been through. And you, you're empathetic to any person who's gone through a disaster. But earlier she was using a term, and we were trying to come up with a term. Of their, what are they, evacuees? You don't want to mm-hmm. say victims. They're survivors. Mm-hmm. They're, um, imagine, you don't have, imagine fleeing your home for your life and, and, and all your possessions, all your family, leaving that behind, not knowing where your child is. And, and we talk about this, your infrastructure's gone. Mm-hmm. The roads, the your phone's not working. Your and you know, think about it now, you guys. Ten years later, we didn't. We had cell phones. Our phones weren't smart, though, were they? I mean, they're smart now. You have smartphones and all these technology. Still doesn't matter if the towers aren't working. A- ab- now, absolutely, you know? absolutely. But <clears throat> it's it's that kind of thing that um, not to be trite, but it's you know, we we really really preach preparedness. Can you prepare for something off the charts like this? I don't know. This was unprecedented. I mean, we talk in terms of you had a major metropolitan area that was evacuated. That's never happened before. You know, we helped with financial assistance 1.4 million people. Million. We're not talking thousands or hundred thousands. This was a lot, a lot of people affected. And, and so um, it, it, it uh, really put us through our paces 
not only as a, a local Red Cross, but the national organization and, you know, lessons learned, partnering, all that, all that kind of stuff to help you um, better respond, whether it's a smaller incident or something where you have people that are traveling hundreds of miles mm-hmm. to be uh, safe. Mm-hmm. Chastity, you, you uh, I mean, obviously you still carry a lot of emotion about this. And I, I want to go back to just after you found your, you know, your son, your now husband, and then you had to leave, you had to figure out a place to go, right? And so how did you wind up in Indiana? Um, at the time, um, we did the Google Maps and we knew it, it was nothing there. Um, so we didn't have nothing to go back to. So the, the shelter was our resident. Um, so before I um, rejoined them, I was in a shelter myself, too. So um, I was in a shelter with a, maybe 30 or 40 people in one big room. This shelter had maybe 300 people in one big room. Mm. Um, so um, maybe about five or six bathrooms. Um, and the showers was a little tense. Um just just like a water hose with holes in it that poked outside coming out the tent. So just stuff like that. I was like, um, hmm, okay. But I was still I was still thankful. But after maybe being with them for two or three weeks, we you know, we kinda got tired, um, we kinda grew weary of it. Um, we was in a shelter and um different states came. I remember Ohio and Cincinnati and Kentucky they came and they and offered people to um to, to live there. And I was like, No, I I'm going home and mm-hmm. once I realized you know, the you know, the shelter was my home, Indiana came and I remember laying on a cot just that's all we did was just just lay there. I remember laying on a cot and um he came to me, he said, Indiana coming. You wanna go to Indiana? <laughs> and I turned over, I was like, Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so uh <laughs> Indiana they came and um it was some representatives from Red Cross. I can't tell you some some details I don't remember. Um and they show a you know, cover bridge apartments. It's like, well we can get you this apartment and you know, it was fully furnished and we could help you with this and help you with that. And I was like, you know, okay. So the <laughs> only thing I had was maybe a few few outfits. All our stuff fit into a bag of clothes. We only had one bag of clothes. It fit into one bag, and I had a one bag and a diaper bag. And we we moved. We got on a bus with with faith and a bag of clothes. We didn't know. I didn't know nothing about Indiana. I never heard of Indiana before. Only thing I, <laughs> only time I heard about Indiana is reciting the fifty states. You know, learning in school, we we did Louisiana history and maybe a little bit of Mississippi and um, a little French and a little Alabama. But Indiana, I ain't never heard nothing about Indiana. And I remember being on a bus. I had a skirt on, some shorts. By the time we got to Memphis, I was like, "Jesus, it's cold." <laughs> <laughs> what month I was, was freezing. That? Um, it was in October. Oh, yeah. Oh. So um, the first day we got here, um, it was 66 degrees. I'll never forget. And I was freezing out my mind. It was like, it's a good day. So e- even now, I, it's 65 degrees. And people, you know, I tell my mom, because my mom and my sister, they moved out here. I'm like, it's a good day. Uh, <laughs> um, so we just, we came we came to Indiana. I mean, in Indiana, um, we came here. I'm saying Indiana. We came here, and everyone here embraced us. It, it did. And, you know, Southern Hospital. Hospitality is definitely in the South, but just they embraced us. And um, 
they assist us and gave us um like we had I had like two years free rent. Um and I, I was it was so much help and I remember um one job I walked into and I started. I was like, okay, well, you you want to start today? I was like, well, sure, I'll start today. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many assistance from different people that I ran into. Um, was able to pay for daycare until we got on our feet. And uh, uh, one lady, I didn't know her. I was trying to get my driver's license, and she let me use her car. And it was a Mustang, guys. So <laughs> I'm 19. I'm just Mustang. I was like, yes, I'm getting my license. So it was. Um, here I am, and um, everyone that I ran into was very was very generous. It wasn't they're not um, over generous how it is in the South, you know, <laughs> but that was very generous. So it was just just a, a tad bit dissimilar. So we just we stayed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But we okay. have a phone call, and uh, I'm gonna go to the phone the phone. So if you put on your headphones and. Actually, I think this person, I think this call might be for Abby. It's from uh, New Orleans, so go ahead. Hey, Abby, how are you? It's Celia. Hey, Celia, how are you doing? <laughs> this is Celia. Like you're doing well. Uh, <laughs> I am. Abby is very. Uh, Abby is very. Um... Oh, we lost her. Oh no, oh, no she's. Uh, not. We did lose her. She's well, going we'll to she's gonna so, call back, but explain who she is. So yeah. Celia is the one I was saying who's a nurse who um, was in the hospital. She lived four doors down from me. And as it was explained when I, when I got to New Orleans, she said, she said, Abby, I wouldn't live where you're living. You're in a bad neighborhood. I said, Celia, I can see your house from my front porch. <laughs> she, said, she said, yeah, but mine's a good block. And yours uh-huh. is not. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's very New Orleans. Um, yeah. But she's, she's, would you agree? Yes. It's not like a lot of towns where you have a bad area and a good area. New Orleans, a bad block, a good block. And I always said, well, what do the, do the, do the All thieves right. have shot collars if they cross the street and they get shot? All right, we, we have Celia back. So. Oh, hi, Celia. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hung up on you. Um, well, don't do that. Well, no, but I want to say, Abby, you're very eloquent. You touched on most of the points, but um, the young lady who's in Indiana who just got finished speaking uh, before you, I can't remember your name, I'm so sorry. Cassidy. Yeah, Cassidy. Um, Cassidy went through, a, you know, I went through a lot, too, and I lost everything, but Cassidy went through a, a part of New Orleans that it's even harder. I mean, you, you try to get out, you can't get out, you have to come back, there's no place to go, you don't know where anybody is. I mean, where I got to eventually, there was no phone service either. You think you're all hooked up and you're ready to go. And, you know, finally, I saw people on the phone at a coffee shop in Baton Rouge and said, how are you using your phones? They said, Verizon, it's the only one with the towers. So I had to go across the street and give up my whatever I was using at the time and go to Verizon just so people could get me. It was amazing, you know, and trying to be a nurse out there and trying to help your patients in a clinic transplant pediatric situation with no phone, that wasn't yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> But to have to go through what she did, trying to get to the Superdome and know that there's nothing there for you and uh, having people be nasty on top of that, you know, and being scared and not knowing where all your people are, that's I didn't have to go through all of that. Even though I, I had my phone, everybody was out of the way except for me. So once I got out and everybody knew I was okay, my family was good. But, well, you know, I'm glad I didn't have to go through what she went through. Yeah, well, let me uh, please stay on the line with us. But Chastity did mention something before that, that really struck me about how in the shelter, they, when it was starting, the water was coming in, they said, well, everybody 
everybody's on their own, you know, just yeah, go out. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you talked about the police were being, you know, mean to you, I think you said, but I think mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, I think it's been described as very chaotic and yeah. sort of like anarchy in yeah. the city. So, you know, um, so Celia, you, you didn't see a lot of that. Well, no, because I didn't have to. I, I only really had a lot of contact with the authorities when I was trying to get back in, yeah. trying to save what I could from my house, because I could mm-hmm. see from satellite when I got to a place where I could get it, I could see that my house was under. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have that kind of. I didn't have that kind of experience because I wasn't there during the time. Abby, I think Abby, were you talking about me? Yeah, I thought you were there at. No, actually, I made the <laughs> schedule, bad. and nobody wants to be on the first thing because you get two days then you go home the the second group has to work for seven days so nobody wants the second shift so mm-hmm. i took that and i left i went to baton rouge and all my friends are at the hospital going can i break into your locker i know you have food in there and the nurses <laughs> are giving each other iv fluids to stay to stand up so i didn't have to go through that either i feel a little guilty about that but i wasn't actually there at the time um i got took me 14 hours to take a one and a half hour trip to get to my sister's house north of Baton Rouge and you know it it, it wasn't easy but again I didn't have to go through what Cassidy went through and uh, that's that's rough but Cassidy looks like you found a nice place <laughs> yes I did <laughs> oh, good. yeah yeah I know it's good um, but I didn't have that that issue and you know we've had a lot of issues with police and I think the police were so discombobulated as well. They were trying to work. They didn't know where their families were. Um, I think that there were so many people that wouldn't listen to them that barking orders was probably the only way they thought they could get anybody to listen. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping people give them a little something for that. But, um, you know, yeah. I, wouldn't want to, I wouldn't have wanted to be anybody in an authoritarian position. So you're, you're still in New Orleans. So, so can you give us sort of an update? I mean, how would you say the city has recovered? It's still still working on it. Um, the poor sections, of course, are not as uh, finished as we'd like. Um, they tore down the um, the uh, um, what we call the, the well, was the really I thought they were really bad areas of town where everybody was housed. The poor people were housed in one place. And there were drugs there, and the public housing. They tore all the public housing down. Some people thought it was a good idea. Some people didn't. But the truth is, they didn't replace it with the same number of yeah, uh, units. Right. So people who wanted to come back had to reapply to get into those units, so a lot of people couldn't come back. And if you had anybody in your family who had any kind of a a record, they couldn't come with you. They couldn't stay in your house. You weren't going to be allowed to get one of those. So that's still kind of um, an issue. How do you handle these people? How do you handle people who've been to jail and did their time, and do they get to come back, or are we nobody who's ever had a record come in? So it can be uh, seen as very unfair to people who want to return and of mm-hmm. course now people are doing all this airbnb stuff there aren't any apartments around here they're taking money from tourists that are coming in town or as i like to call them tourons huh abby yep <laughs> <laughs> but, but we you know they're renting them to and so people who want to come back don't don't have a place to stay you know i had to i i dealt with a guy who stole contractors stole my money and i had to empty my bank accounts and 50 years old and single and starting all over again, lost all of my bank accounts, all of my retirement, everything. Mm-hmm. I don't, I never hear much about that, but I had to start all over and I am just at 60 feeling like it would be okay to retire at 70. That's what it did to me. Wow. 
Now, I don't understand. Why did you lose your bank accounts? And, and all... I had to spend all my money to redo my house. Oh, okay. My money. All right. Okay. Okay. So I had to redo, and I redid it, and I stayed there for about three years, and I couldn't afford it. Insurance goes up. Mortgage goes mm-hmm. up. It goes up every year, and before you know it, I was putting in $3,000 a month just to keep the house up and to mm. pay everything, and I'm a nurse. And I said, okay, so I sold it last year, but I've moved to a beautiful place four blocks away, on the ground, on the bayou, <laughs> inexpensive, with off-street parking. I'm happy as a clam. And I yeah. right. uh, break, right. so I just snap my finger and go, come to Right. <laughs> Thank you, Celia. Thanks a lot Thank for your you. call. It's Thanks, nice talking baby. to you. Bye, baby. All right. Thanks. So, Chastity, um, the, the, have you been back? Yes. Yeah. So talk about your return visit. Um, you know, we usually go back for Mardi Gras or um, weddings or um, high school reunions. We always go, like, I always go back. And, I mean, I eat the first day, <laughs> maybe rest the second day and eat some more. Um <laughs> Then we get a little, get, listen to a little jazz music, go visit some friends and family. Maybe by the fourth day, I'm ready to come back home. No kidding. Because yes. oh, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, um, I love New Orleans, and I want, um, I think, what I, what, what I will say is, if you, once you get out, once if you're put in a box, only thing you know within those four walls, and once you get outside, then you know, oh, there is more than what was in the four walls. Um, so, like what the caller was saying, like, um, you know, the criminals and stuff like that. That's that's all we knew. That's all. That's all I knew. That's all my husband knew. Um, and actually, my husband, you know, sold drugs. That's all we knew. But when we got outside of Indiana. Um, Indiana was the best thing outside of New Orleans coming to Indiana was the best thing that ever happened to us because um, it's actually we thought it was the end, but actually it was the beginning for us. Mm-hmm. So a different mindset to um, to be something and, and have dreams and um, and college. I, I'm in college. I ain't never thought about going to college. <laughs> so just just the coming around. Um, people, I, you know, I brought my first home at 25. Just, um, we, you know, yes, working very hard to get it, too. It wasn't easy. But just coming out of um, New Orleans, I love it there. I do. But it's the same thing, you know. So mm-hmm. after I, I, after I um, have fun and after I eat I, and, and I stock up in Walmart and stock up the trunk and um, bring some seafood because the seafood is different there than it is yes, up here. It is. Um, and, and once I do that, I come back home and I get back to my life. I get back to my goals and I get back to my job and my career and raising my kids. Um, so do how is it there when I go? It's still like that, but it, it doesn't feel the same. Do you have family there? Yes, I do. Okay. So so how how what's life like for them since you know in the last ten years as all the rebuilding has come back and did they have did they lose their homes and do they have to? Yeah, I know a lot. I mean, everyone lost their homes. They just went back and rebuild, but it's pretty much you know. I think they're listening, but it pretty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty much the same things. It's the people uh, like pe- they think. First of all, they think that we're rich. I don't know why they think that. We, <laughs> not at all. But they think that we have so much because of they're still doing the same thing. They're you know we, they're still um, working at McDonald's and working at Walmart. Not nothing against it. You do whatever you have to do to make a living, but mm-hmm. it's it's life outside of that. So mm-hmm. to me, they, there's there's still. Live in the same way. Mm-hmm. So much. you had another child since you've been in the Yes. Um, you know, we moved out here October 2005. I got married February 2008. 
and I had my son January 2009, um, and we, we brought our house <laughs> August, actually, um, August 28th, the same day of Katrina, 2012. Oh, yes. Wow. That's um, a better celebration yeah, for the day. Yeah, yeah, so things definitely been moving up, and even it took, even in 10 years, I, I, I was beating myself up like I should be farther in 10 years, but the first two or three years, it still was, still trying to get out of emotional um um, just having bad nightmares when it when it rained, I freaks out, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it rained, I'm fine. Um, and, and even when I first moved here, I don't know if you guys remember 2005, um, maybe in November, uh, a tornado was coming. Yes, I said I can't <laughs> run from nothing. I'm, yeah. I didn't know what. No, I actually recall um, uh, people who had moved up here who mm-hmm. were afraid. Our relief operation went almost until Thanksgiving, and uh, we remember the first time that alone. 11 o'clock tornado drill went off mm. in, uh, oh, uh, the people mm-hmm. were, it was horrible, horrible, and you had to comfort them. And um, where you guys uh, survive hurricanes, you don't know tornadoes. Right. It's a different It's a different storm, and mm-hmm. we don't get often the kind of warning that right. you guys yeah. get. Yes. So it's a, yeah. Were, were you, did you get any counseling at all for? Honestly, I did not. And, and believe it or not, I didn't, um, just didn't know. You know, I was, pretty much I was a, still a child. I, was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was 19 and yeah. um, my last year in high school. And actually I had to repeat the 12th grade twice because of, you know, getting pregnant at a young age. Sure. And, just, you know, that's the life, you know, that's the life that I, I had, you know. But, um no, no counseling. We we got through it ourselves. I don't know. I can't tell you how we got through it. We got through it ourselves, but just, you know, me and my husband, we was high school sweethearts and just being together since, you know, for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just stuck by each other's side and kind of, you know, weather the storm after the mm-hmm. storm, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely life after the storm. And it's, and, and it's just, it's definitely life after what in, any type of storm that you're going through. But we had to get through it. It was not an easy, um, easy road and getting used to the snow and just used to certain things. And I didn't know nothing. I didn't know where I was at. I Then, you know, even coming here, the guy was like, okay, you just south. I'm like, where's south? We don't, when we tell directions, you get on <laughs> I 10 and you go towards, the causeway or you get on the, the you know you get on the bridge yeah. or and lakeside or riverside yes exactly or you get on the Kirpy Long Bridge so when it was like well go north I'm like which way is that <laughs> so I, I had a hard time adjusting it, you know I had a hard time adjusting and you know I always I miss home and um one day, it, it, I woke up and we was like and, you know I told my husband we got to do something we got to move forward get things going. Okay, we've got less than a minute to go. So any 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 last thoughts? Red Cross, can people still help? Are you still helping? Um, we we are. Uh, it was. I think we're about uh, finished with the. We two point two billion dollars mm-hmm. were raised in Katrina, and so a lot of it is uh, we honor donor intent. It's going back into those communities and. Um, uh, focusing on preparedness now, but um, yeah, generous, okay. generous uh, folks. All right, I want to thank our guests today. This has been a great program. Chastity Johnson, thank you for joining us today. Hey, and thank you for having me. Abby Gitlitz, thank you too. You've you. had quite a struggle as well. And Ann Gregson, thanks for all you do with oh, the Red Cross. You're welcome. Thanks. All right, for uh, producer Rachel Morello, who's been with us today, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine Carmichael, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon 
Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.